Today on Ag News Daily. It's on, on keeping those pigs alive. And so we needed to find a better way of providing consistent, ongoing care, the way I'd put it. And so we developed pig flow. We're looking at January 24th, Tuesday edition, the Ag News Daily Podcast. Tanner and Delaney hanging out. Delaney's back in Iowa. Or did we talk about that yesterday? I don't know if we did, but I'm not getting welcome back with some very nice weather today, Tanner. Yeah, you uh, you probably are going to have to hide that sunburn for fear of windburn and freezing your nose off. Yes, that is unfortunately how it's looking this morning. I don't know if it's just low visibility here this morning, but it's pretty foggy, cloudy, snow blowing, whatever you want to call it. You know, if the old adage of 90 days after fog comes rain is true, we're not going to see a lot of early planting here in central Iowa because most of April is going to be wet. Yeah, that's true. You know, I was at a crop insurance meeting a couple of weeks ago in uh, Indiana. That's where I was. I had to think about it for a second. And they actually are going to see their crop insurance coverage change to allow producers to plant earlier in the season. So it seems to be the trend is shifting that direction to change federal crop insurance states to allow producers to plant earlier, because especially on the soybean side of things, a lot of producers have said they've seen better yields when planted earlier. But the big question is just ground soil temperatures and things of that nature. So we may not see that happen this year. Yeah, I know there's a lot of folks that have taken some pride in the early planted beans Mm -hmm. or at least the pride in trying as far as that goes the science seems to be pushing that but i tell you what we're gonna have to melt quite a bit of snow this year it looks like right now we're looking at some winter storm warnings from new mexico to maine so stretching a wide band here across the united states the southern plains may see as many as seven inches of snow especially in the texas panhandle that winter storm warning will retain remain in effect until tomorrow Further east, we look at Missouri, 6 to 10 inches. And then as we push through midday Wednesday into Thursday, central Illinois and Indiana could see 4 to 8 inches of snow, as well as winds gusting up to 35 miles per hour. So quite a bit of snow and a really large band as this system tracks across the U.S. Yes, so we'll be continuing to watch that. Hopefully not a lot of flight delays. I'm heading to Detroit this week, Tanner. So I'm hoping I can make it there and back without any delays. Yeah, hopefully you stay safe. That is uh, certainly something that you're going to want to keep a close eye on. I also wanted to touch here real quick on the cattle on feed report that Tommy, you know, breezed over a little bit yesterday, but really the justice, exactly what he said. It was neutral, the site slightly bullish. The biggest information coming out of it is that heifer numbers were down. So even though we look at a potential two to three year positive margin outlook for cattle feeders, the heifer and heifer calves are at a number of 25,000 head fewer than a year ago. So even though uh, we see these potential margins expanding for them, cattlemen have not begun to keep back replacement heifers. And this could be due mainly towards that feed shortage that you were talking about as well, Delaney. Mm-hmm. So we just wanted to get that out there quick. Yeah, it could be with the forage hay shortage we're likely to see here in 2023. But I want to actually take us back to weather for just a moment, because Tommy also touched on this yesterday, but that is South American rain specifically, Tanner. And it seems that markets are going to be pushing it lower again here because Argentina and much of South America had wet weather over the weekend. But they're also showing forecasts should show 
continued rain throughout Argentina for the six to 10 day forecast, which should push people uh, probably short the, the corn and soy complex, at least here short term. But as we look here at the Brazilian harvest, which is, of course, coming online now, basically, uh, a lot of analysts are kind of betting the over under Tanner to see, do we get a record soy crop out of Brazil is kind of the big question right now. And so as you look at the numbers coming out of Brazil, expecting to see an average bushel per yield estimate of about 60.3 bushels, especially in the Mato Grosso area, which is a key soybean producing state in Brazil. Analysts are taking the over under on how many acres were planted somewhere right around 43.4 is where the average is coming in, though. And production, of course, is the big question mark right now. Um, pretty much analysts across the board are agreeing it's going to be at least 150 million tons of production compared to last year. They only had 100 and basically 30 million tons. So pretty big uptick there in production in Brazil. And the question is, by how much do we see it go over that or maybe slightly under that? Analysts aren't currently agreeing on that, Tanner, but we should start to see some numbers coming out of Brazil soon. Yeah, that, it's, again, hopefully Brazil and South America do not become a China to where the information is not trusted. So we can mm. continue to monitor those numbers and really get a good handle on where things sit. If we want to stay outside of the United States borders, we're seeing increased support for Ukraine coming out of Poland. Poland is pushing to send more tanks to Kiev and is looking to get the German OK to do this. They want to send German-built Leopold II battle tanks to Ukraine. And even if Germany says no, they may send them without permission. But we also are seeing China and Russia linking up and bringing a growing military support to Africa. They have now set out to build their growing defense ties with Africa. Both powers are increasingly invested in the economic, politic, political, and military capital position of Africa, China, Russia, and South Africa announced that they will hold a 10-day trilateral naval exercise off the southern coast of Africa next month. This plan is obviously raising some concerns amongst critics to Moscow, especially amongst this war with Ukraine. Following the talks with South African counterparts, Russian foreign minister stated that the drills are a natural development in which three sovereign countries without violating any norms of international law, will be conducting exercises. Of course, this is putting them at odds with the American government, stating that uh, the Moscow elites are giving word that it is a not a double-sided or double entendre, as the U.S. cannot be the only nation allowed to conduct military exercises throughout the world, and that Russia and China will be working with South Africa to handle these 10 days worth of exercises. So it'll be interesting to see here, Delaney, what types of effects this has on political ties between now and when those exercises take place. And then we'll hope that that 10 day plan will go off without a hitch and will be just that of only exercises. Well, it's interesting because Russia definitely stoked that fire a little bit. Former Russian President Dmitry Medvedev, uh, he stated last week that Russia may have to resort to the use of nuclear weapons, Tanner, if it faces defeat against Ukraine. He said nuclear powers do not lose major conflicts on which their fate depends. That was a 
public statement he made in the news last week. Um, he currently serves as the deputy chairman of Russia's Security Council. So he does hold quite a bit of influence to decide if nuclear weapons are coming into the picture. But this is not the first time we've seen Russia made the threat of nuclear. But certainly it sounds like they're trying to escalate things here, Tanner, as we see some Western powers stepping in to help Ukraine. Yeah, it, uh, again, I say it over and over, but that's what we're here for on Ag News Daily is just to keep monitor of this and bring you the latest headlines so you can be apprised of what is sitting out there. Well, Delaney, I only have one more headline, and that is about lettuce. I know a lot of us have started New Year's resolutions to maybe eat healthier, but will there be a lettuce shortage in 2023? We're talking the three-year drought that has plagued California, but now some of these lettuce fields are underneath flooded waters. The three consecutive years have been relentless on the drought side, but now relentless rains have hammered California for the last three straight weeks, like we've reported on. From flooding to mudslides, this unforgiving weather could produce situations of havoc on the agriculture infrastructure. What could this do? Even with the intense moisture and rain, lettuce does not like being in a super wet condition. Other news, crops like strawberries could have the same effect. So Dwayne, we may be seeing a shortage of lettuce and strawberries. One of these areas hit hardest is the Salinas Valley, which has a northward draining river that starts at Southern California and drains the, some of the very fertile land in that area. And the USDA meteorologist is saying that this could be causing an issue as that river is out of its banks. Livestock producers are continuing to work to move their livestock to higher ground, but the produce fields are the ones that will have the biggest issues because after floodwaters recede, Delaney, we don't know what type of remnants or cleanup there will be in these fields before crops can get replanted. So we'll continue to watch that and hopefully we don't see a, an uptick in the price of strawberries and lettuce, as well as other produce, but those would be the two main crops to keep our eyes on. Well, Tanner, the last thing I have here, since it is a Tech Tuesday conversation, is that Combine Ag, which was formerly known as Farm Lead, was acquired by Bayer Crop Science, joining their latest suite of tools, digital tools for farmers. But previously, Tanner, the company known as Farm Lead had developed a grain marketing tool for farmers to use, focusing on providing tools for tracking grain marketing, inventory, and digitization of grain marketing documents, such as scale tickets. Uh, but Bayer says that they're going to continue to operate Combine Will at a arm's length from the main company. I'm sure farmers are going to ask questions about who owns their data. And if Bayer is just trying to access that data was the first thing that came to my mind. But as of right now, there are no formal plans or timelines to integrate Combine into Bayer's Climate Field View platform or any of their other digital tools. But I'm sure the folks at FarmLead are probably pretty excited that they uh, were acquired here. They were started actually in 2013. And so they've seen quite a few rounds of different commodity cycles and uh, that apparently has stood the test of time here for Bayer to want to snap them up Tanner. Yeah that's good news from them a big win and hopefully a big win for their customers as well but as we jump into our Tech Tuesday interview what do markets look like today? 
Well, actually, surprisingly, Tanner here that uh, they are trading mostly higher in the overnight. No fresh news of rain yet, but I'm sure that that will push things lower when we do get those forecasts coming in probably later this week. But in the meantime here, March corn close opens at 669 and a half up three and a quarter cent in the overnight. November soybeans will open four and a half cents higher at 1344. Not Neither of those two markets uh, clawing their way back from losses we saw yesterday in the first trading session of the week. Hard red winter wheat in the March contract will add six and a quarter cent in the overnight to open at 825 and a quarter. And of course, livestock, a quick refresher from where they closed yesterday was green across the screen for the most part, aside from lean hogs. February live cattle will open this morning at a buck fifty seven forty seven. March feeders will open at a dollar eighty three twenty seven and February lean hogs down a quarter and will open this morning at 77.57 and a half. And Tanner, it's fitting that we end on the hog markets because we are chatting swine technology today with Matthew Ruda. Joining us for another Tech Tuesday, we have Matthew Ruda. He is the CEO and co-founder of Swine Tech. Matthew, could you touch on what Swine Tech is and how you developed it? Yeah, so Swine Tech is an ag tech company that was founded in 2015 with the vision to empower pork producers to provide every pig worldwide with high quality individualized care. That initially was found in developing voice recognition technologies for piglet crushing prevention, but now has evolved to providing point of care, a point of care platform for pigs that really helps with workforce efficiencies, employee engagement and pig care itself. Gotcha. And then looking through your website a little bit, it looks like you have had the opportunity to develop this business a lot since 2015 when you first co-founded it. You have multiple products on the website. How do all of your products align and allow for a better workflow within management systems? Yes. Yeah, so when we founded Swine Tech, it was it really just started as an idea, and we had to get a lot of grants from universities and and, and other companies that were supporting student companies. And the first product was SmartGuard, which was using voice recognition to prevent piglet crushing and when it comes to piglet mortality, piglet crushing is the vast majority of losses. And we wanted to figure out a way to use voice recognition to solve that. And most people who have ever worked in a pig barn, you can recall the sound of a pig getting laid on. You probably learned it very quickly and you would run over and try to save that piglet. We wanted to figure out a way to automate that process. And so we went through all the behavioral studies with Lindsay Holbert at K-State and Temple Grandin as an advisor passed with flying colors there, and then really built technology that could solve that problem. But one thing we ran into was that after you save those pigs and you remove the device to protect those pigs after the first three to five days, because most crushing happens within the first three to five days, you really had no influence on, on keeping those pigs alive. And so we needed to find a better way of providing consistent ongoing care is the way I'd put it. And so we developed pig flow, which helps producers embed their SOPs, their expectations, and improve communication and daily workflows, even automating some workflows in the sow farm 
to help teams better prioritize. What do I need to do? When do I need to do it? And then even help them understand, am I doing a good job, which is increasing engagement. And if we do the things that we say we need to do and we do them consistently, we should be approaching the capabilities of our genetic potential. And in most cases, we're not maximizing that genetic potential. And then the last thing that we brought on was a product called Swine Seal. A friend of mine actually developed that formula for horses and pets and even the military for burn victims. And so they've gotten a substantial amount of funding for this liquid bandage that is FDA cleared. And we thought we could bring that to pigs for shoulder sores. It's been a very small part of what we do, but it's been a very helpful thing for our producers that we work with just to help with uh, with shoulder sores and, and a couple other things as well. So when we look towards bringing our producer partners products or solutions, we believe that they need to be geared towards improving individualized care. And uh, that's that's what we're striving for each and every day. Absolutely. It sounds like you have multiple products that can provide more than enough success for many different producers around the country and hopefully the world. Looking at all of that information, then, how would you say that when you are working with customers, how are you able to provide them individualized care and help them when depending on the size of their operation? So we take a partnership approach with everybody we work with. It's unique for everyone. And so having a holistic approach makes it possible to be versatile in the way that we can make a difference. Some producers are fighting issues with stillborns, others with sound mortality, really everyone with sound mortality more or less right now, and pre-wean mortality. And others are just trying to make sure that they can keep enough people in the barn to keep things flowing. And so whether someone is motivated by efficiencies, or providing more consistent care to increase pigs weaned, we're able to help them with that. And not always do producers have a choice. Sometimes people are understaffed and we just need to get it back to a a normal cadence. And so what we'll do is we'll work with producers on the front end to do a status call, understand what is the current situation, um, what are the impacts of that, and then come up with a plan with three to five key objectives that we're going to focus on for the first three months. And then after those 90 days, we touch back base. We touch back with the team, probably in person to figure out where are we and what do we need to do now? And so it's an ongoing relationship. And uh, I think that's what makes it so much fun is that ongoing relationship. And in my background and and working in the South farms has, uh, has definitely kind of bled through with, with how much I enjoy that component. And with that being said, I'm sure you have learned a lot about how producers think and interact with their swine operations. What would you say is the most important thing for producers and operators to remember when it comes to working with swine herd health as well as human health? Oh, so it's a big question. I guess I'd lead off by saying that when it comes to human health, and swine health or herd health, we work right alongside human health with development of vaccines or uh, other solutions from an animal health standpoint, genetics, nutrition. We really coincide with that industry very closely in all of those areas. But the one area that we don't is day-to-day operations. And our industry has 
always for the most part looked at manufacturing or other livestock operations as a means of how do we make this better but in reality i think human health holds the key to that answer there are so many similarities when it comes to trying to manage a low-cost business that's labor constrained that's driven by quality of care when we look at healthcare, it is it's a low cost or it's a low margin labor constrained quality of care driven industry and the way that the individuals providing that care look at care is that's that's the whole point it's not efficiencies it's not cost it's care but administrative staff and hospitals are focused on throughput they're focused on bed space utilization they're focused on the efficiencies they're focused on cost they are a low margin business and so by looking at that industry and working with patient management systems, point of care solutions, we really saw an opportunity to bring that high quality individualized component holistically to the swine industry. And it's turned out to work really well. I think one thing producers need to think about when they're investing in their operations moving forward is the concept of internet connectivity throughout an entire barn. It's very easy to work with a vendor that brings in connectivity and wires two thirds of the barn for their for their needs. That's all we've really needed up to this point. But with as many computer vision solutions, workforce management solutions, Internet of Things technologies that are coming into this industry, if you're going to be paying to put wiring in a barn and connectivity in a barn, just do the whole thing. Do it all right. Get it all out of the way. So that way you're never constrained on what you can or cannot offer your 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 employees in a timely manner. Absolutely, Matthew. And then going into that, many of your products that you offer, I'm sure, require internet, um, but in a very useful and important manner. How are you able to work with your customers to get that Wi-Fi installed in a timely manner to ensure that the products they are using or need can be put into their barns as soon as possible? So first off, we don't make it cost prohibitive. If anything, we we basically break even on bringing Wi-Fi connectivity throughout farms. Most farms anymore have connectivity to their office. Very few and far between that a farm doesn't have good enough internet. But we need to run that internet through the farm and make sure that connectivity is everywhere. Fortunately, we have a great team of customer success managers uh, that have the ability to run internet connectivity, but also a prior South Farm management experience. So when they are preparing to go into that site, they are connecting with the managers, with the supervisors. They can get on that level and understand exactly what is needed, where things are laid out, where they need to go. And so that way, when they show up, they can stay out of the way and yet get things done rather efficiently and keep that cost low enough for the producer so that it's not cost prohibitive. I mean, so many of the available companies out there offering Wi-Fi installation also do installations for other industries. And so they're not necessarily used to the cost constraints that exist in the swine industry. And so we kind of had to take it on our back to carry some of that, that risk or that burden to make sure that we could make it affordable to get it in these barns. Because without it, I really don't think that this industry can take the next step. Definitely. And you've shared a lot of very important and useful information with us today, Matthew. How can listeners learn more about your company and the products that you have to offer, as well as maybe reach out to you to try and get a hold of some of it? 
Individuals can find us at swinetechnologies.com or pigflow.com. They can also listen to us on the popular pig podcast or find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also reach out directly to me at my Instagram account or uh, email or call, which that information can be found on our website. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Matthew. Hey, thank you for the opportunity. always good to get this information out to our listeners appreciate jennifer stepping in for us and getting that interview done so thanks so much for doing that absolutely but we're gonna have a lot of great conversations coming at you later this week so be sure to hit subscribe and you won't miss a beat here on the ag news daily podcast but tanner with that should we let the people go let's let them go